Chapter Twenty of the Albert Gate Mystery by Lewis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Twenty, Close Quarters. Sir Hubert was all eagerness to undertake his mission. He reached the station at least half an hour too soon. Any one seeing him there would readily admit that the barrister could not have chosen an agent less guileful in appearance. The very cut of his clothes, the immaculate character of his white spots, bespoke the elderly British gentleman. At last the train arrived. The vast majority of its passengers were Sicilian peasants or businessmen returning to Palermo from the interior of the island. To Sir Hubert's delight, he at once caught sight of Grandjean and the Turks, whom, of course, he quickly identified as the loungers on the tower of the Chateau d'If. It occurred to him that there was a remote chance of recognition by Grandjean, so he busied himself for an instant in a seeming scrutiny of the bookstall until they had passed. A little further down the platform he caught sight of Inspector Winter, that worthy individual being engaged in a fiercely unintelligible controversy with an Italian porter as to the possession of his portmanteau. Sir Hubert hurried forward and seized the amazed policeman by his hand, wringing it warmly. To tell the truth, Winter did not know for a moment who it was that accorded him such a cordial greeting, for, as it subsequently transpired, the policeman was not aware of Sir Hubert's journey to Marseilles, nor did he guess that Edith was with him. The stolid detective, however, quickly recovered himself, and his first words were, "'Did Mr. Brett fully understand my signal?' "'I think so,' said the other, "'but he will tell you all about that afterwards. At present he wishes you to ascertain Grandjean's intended residence.' Mr. Winter smiled with the peculiar air of superiority affected by Scotland Yard. "'Oh, that is too easy,' he condescended to explain. "'I have been talking to him.' "'You don't say so.' "'Yes, I have. My French is bad and his English is worse, but he understands that I am in the wholesale grocery trade. I have come to Palermo to buy currants.' most extraordinary how very clever of you mr winter drew himself up with an air of professional pride that is nothing sir he said we often make queer acquaintanceships in the way of business but grand jean is a smart chap he eyed me curiously when he happened to hear that i was the fifth passenger who wished to leave the steamer at messina so I took the bull by the horns and made myself useful to him in the matter of getting his baggage out of the hold. "'Marvellous!' gasped Sir Hubert. "'The upshot of it was that he gave me some advice about currents. We stayed in the same hotel at Messina, travelled together in the train, and I am going to put up at the Camposanto Hotel, where he will stay with the Turks.' 
meanwhile the subject of their conversation had quitted the station and sir hubert's respect for mr winter's powers as a sloth hound yielded to anxiety lest the slippery frenchman might vanish once and for all hadn't we better follow him he suggested mr winter winked knowingly don't be anxious sir he wants to be seen in my company he believes i am here for trading purposes and the association will be useful to him nevertheless the baronet was glad to find that mr winter's confidence was not misplaced when ten minutes later he again encountered the frenchman and the turks at the door of the campo santo a cheap and popular hotel near the square that forms the centre of palermo the detective was eminently suited for the role he now filled ah monsieur he cried with boisterous good-humour permettez-moi introduce a friend of mine monsieur smith de londres you know je ne savais pas les noms de votre compagnon but they are très bons camarades je suis certain Grosjean was most complacent. It is van grand plaisir, monsieur, he said, whilst the Turks gravely bowed their acknowledgments. The upshoot of this extraordinary meeting was that when Mr. Winter had secured a room and the party had ordered dinner, the six men set out for a stroll through the town sir hubert strove hard to so manoeuvre their ramble that they should pass the hotel de france and perchance come under the astonished eyes of brett and the others but this amiable design was frustrated by grandjean's eagerness to visit the post-office which lay in a different direction one of the turks none other than hussein al-malk spoke english fairly well and it puzzled the old baronet considerably to answer his questions yet the situation passed off well grosjean came out of the post-office apparently without having obtained any missives a letter of course could not possibly await him and suggested that they should wander towards the harbour sir hubert strongly recommended the spectacular beauty of the street where the hotel de france lay but grandjean politely insisted that he wished to make some inquiries at the shipping office and mr winter backed him up being ignorant of the baronet's real motive there was nothing to do but to yield gracefully they walked along the corso vittorio emanuele sir hubert fresh with memories of his morning's drive with a guide pointed out the chief buildings becoming sadly mixed up in the names of some of them still this was a safer topic than his previous conversation with hussein al-malk so he preserved gamely they soon reached the quay sir hubert became almost incoherent with agitation when they passed the bluebell and came into full view of edith jack fairholme and daubeny who happened to leave the hotel shortly before five o'clock in order to visit the yacht and secure a good cup of tea brett refused to accompany them on the ground that his italian scout the pilot might bring news at any hour and he must remain within immediate call 
it was a supreme moment when grosjean halted and called general attention to the smart-looking vessel and the tea-drinkers sir hubert keenly examined the top of the funnel and tried simultaneously to yawn and light a cigar in the result he nearly choked himself mr winter somewhat more prepared for emergencies endeavoured to interest grosjean in the wonderful clearness of the water but hussein al-malk and his two sedate friends suddenly betrayed a keen interest in fairholm when they last met the earl on the tower of the chateau d'if they were so engrossed in the object of their visit to marseilles that they had passed them unnoticed but now looking steadily at him for fairholm was seated facing them and was striving to maintain the semblance of an animated chat with edith there came to the turks a memory each instant becoming more definite of an exciting scene in the rue barbette and the opportune arrival of a stalwart young englishman backed up by a couple of gendarmes hussein al-malk's swarthy countenance reddened with suspicious anger he drew grosjean on one side and whispered something to him the frenchman started violently they have recognized you bobby murmured the quick-witted edith oh why didn't we remain with mr brett there is no knowing what might have happened had not fate stepped in to decide in dramatic fashion the important issues at stake whilst grandjean and the turks were still conferring in stealthy tones and the english people endeavoured to keep up an appearance of complete unconcern a tramp steamer swung around the corner of the mole that protects the harbour in tow with sails trimly furled and six people standing on her small deck a lady and gentleman and four sailors was the belle Serves, fishing smack number one hundred and seven from marseilles instantly a watcher otherwise unperceived ran off from the quay at top speed towards the hotel de france grosjean the turks edith fairholm each and every member of the two parties on the wharf and on the deck of the bluebell momentarily forgot the minor excitement of the situation in view of this unexpected apparition voila ils viennent venez vite cried grosjean he ran further along the quay followed by the turks quick bobby oh jack do something mr brett could not foresee this though he seemed to have an inspiration that kept him in the hotel what can we do dubois and the girl will know you at once jack shouldn't you keep out of sight go below go and fetch mr brett oh dear this is dreadful thus did edith for once yielding to feminine irresolution appeal to her lover and brother vainly seeking to discover the best line of action to follow in this disastrous circumstance for she knew that the diamonds must now be in the personal possession of dubois it was a golden opportunity to recover the stolen gems if once he eluded the grasp of his pursuers after landing they might probably would secure him but not the diamonds 
daubigny now purple with perplexity and fairholm swearing softly under his breath sprang from the deck and to the low wall of the quay almost unconsciously they joined sir hubert and mr winter edith followed them she glanced at her brother he was gazing curiously vindictively at the two figures on the deck of the belle Serres. there was a fierce gleam in his eyes a set expression in his closed lips a nervous twitching at the corners of his mouth that betokened the overpowering emotions of the moment with a woman's intuition edith realized that no power on earth no consideration of expediency would restrain him from laying violent hands on dubois at the first possible opportunity she knew there must be a struggle in which grosjean and the turks perhaps the four sailors would participate they might use knives and firearms whereas the englishmen were unarmed so she ran back on board the yacht and cried to the scotch engineer oh mr macpherson please come with some of your men there may be a fight on the wharf and mr daubigny and the others will be outnumbered macpherson for once forgot his cautiousness there was none of the characteristic slowness of the scottish nation in his manner or language as he yelled down the forehatch tumble up there some damned italians are going to hammer the boss bring along a monkey wretch or the first thing to hand sharp's the word forthwith there poured from the hatchway a miscellaneous mop of seamen firemen and stewards following edith and macpherson they ran along the quay already there was something unusual in progress lounges by the harbour perceiving a disturbance were running towards the scene of action a solitary italian policeman swaggering jauntily over the paved roadway was suddenly startled out of his self-complacency caramba he shouted drawing his sabre he broke into a run for matters had developed with melodramatic suddenness Casting off the steamer's tow-ropes, the bell sails swung alongside the wharf much more easily and quickly than did the friendly vessel by whose aid she had soon reached Palermo. Both steamer and smack had already been searched by the customs officers, who boarded them in the quarantine station, and the reason that the schooner had not been earlier sighted from the shore was supplied by the mere chance that she was rendered invisible by close proximity to her bigger companion the instant that the fishing-boat was tied to the wharf mademoiselle beaucaire sprang ashore grosjean breathless and excited was there to greet her but the greeting between father and daughter was not very cordial the innkeeper seemed to be dumbfounded with surprise at her early arrival dubois followed more leisurely he took no notice of grosjean and appeared to be looking around for a cab two of the sailors were handing up a couple of portmanteaus from the deck hussein al-malk and the two other turks unable to restrain their excitement 
crowded around the pink and white frenchman jabbering volubly but mademoiselle and her father moved some slight distance away at this juncture mr winter strode resolutely forward seized dubois firmly by the shoulder and said henri dubois in the name of the king of england i arrest you for the murder of the detective's words were stopped by a blow a wild struggle promptly ensued the man turned on him like a tiger and the turks joined in grandjean too ran back to take a hand in the fray fairholme sir hubert daubeny and talbot flung themselves on the would-be rescuers and the four french sailors of the belle soeur leaped ashore to assist their passenger in this unlooked-for attack frantic yells and oaths came from the confused mob and knives were drawn talbot had but one desire in life to get his fingers on dubois throat he had almost reached for him for winter clung to his prey with bulldog tenacity when an astounding thing happened the frenchman's handsome moustaches fell off and beneath the clever make-up on her face were visible the boldly handsome features of la belle chasseuse now distorted by rage and fear you fool yelled talbot to winter you have let him escape tearing himself from the midst of the fight he was just in time to see the female figure which he now knew must be dubois masquerading in his mistress's clothes jumping into a cab and driving off towards the corso vittorio emanuele come on fairholme he cried he cannot get away here comes an empty carriage but now macpherson and his allies had reached the scene using a monkey wretch or the first thing to hand they placed the turks grosjean and the crew of the belle soeurs on the casualty list mr winter's indignation on finding that he had arrested a woman was painful in his astonishment he released his grasp and turned to look at the disappearing vehicle containing the criminal he so ardently longed to lay hands upon la belle chasseuse with the vicious instinct of her class felt that talbot's pursuit of her lover must be stopped at all costs she suddenly produced a revolver and levelled it at him fairholme and edith alone noted her action at the same instant they rushed towards her but the girl reached her first with a frenzied prayer that she might be in time for she had been told of this woman's prowess with a pistol edith caught hold of her wrist and pulled it violently her grip not only disconcerted mademoiselle's deadly aim but also caused her to press the trigger there was a loud report a scream and edith collapsed to the ground with a severe bullet wound in her left shoulder even her cloth jacket was set on fire by the close proximity of the weapon it is to be feared that fairholme flung la belle chasseuse from off the quay into the harbour with unnecessary violence indeed the italian onlookers not accustomed to sanguinary broils subsequently agreed that this was the piece de resistance of the spectacle for the lady was pitched many feet through the air before she struck the water whence she was rescued with some difficulty 
careless how or where mademoiselle ended her flight the earl dropped on his knees beside edith and quickly pressed out the flames of the burning cloth with his hands he burnt himself badly in the act but of this he was insensible then he bent closer and looked desperately almost hopelessly into her face speak to me darling he moaned in such a low broken-hearted voice that even sir hubert himself almost mad with grief realized how the other suffered edith heard him she opened her eyes and smiled bravely i don't think it is serious she murmured it was high up somewhere in the shoulder don't fret there's a dear then she fainted not knowing why fairholme did not join him talbot raced towards the carriage he had seen approaching it was a smart vehicle with a sleek well-groomed horse and he guessed that it must be a private conveyance gazing anxiously around he could not see another carriage anywhere in the vicinity there was nothing for it but the method of the brutal saxon explanations would need precious time and might be wasted so talbot jumped into the victoria hauled the coachman off the box threw him into the roadway seized the reins and climbed into the vacant seat brett hurrying with the pilot from the hotel de france saw a veiled and curious-looking female vehemently urging the driver of a carriage to proceed up the main street of palermo as fast as his horse could travel even in the turmoil of thought caused by the pilot's intelligence he noted something peculiar in the lady's manner half a minute later he encountered talbot driving an empty vehicle and furiously compelling with reins and whip a lazy animal to exert himself brett shouted to him he might as well have addressed a whirlwind i saw them all together on the yacht when i came away signor exclaimed the pilot that is all except the old signor who was walking with some turks a frenchman and another who looked like an englishman the old signor was walking with the turks cried brett without doubt he conversed with them i thought it strange that he took no notice of those on board the yacht but just then the steamer now said brett to himself winter has arrested somebody talbot is on the right track yielding to impulse he stopped suddenly and called a cab here he said to the pilot ask the driver if he saw two carriages pass up the corso just now in a very fast pace very well tell him to follow them if possible jump in with me i may need your services as interpreter we must overtake one or both of those carriages End of chapter 20